Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. The Packers will begin the second half of their season on Sunday. That's when the Packers play the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Packers have a three and five record, which begs the following questions. Should they continue to push for a playoff spot in a wide open NFC or do the Packers go into a tank mode and try to secure as high of a draft pick as possible? Greetings. I'm Gary Wolfel and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another riveting Packer podcast. Good day, mate. <laughs> Hello, friend. How are we doing? Good, good. You know, I, I spent some time with some Aussies about a month ago, and now I'm telling everybody I see. Good day, mate. <laughs> You've carried that back with you. Uh, it's a noble quality, Gary. I, I like that. It's a. It's, I'll uh, tell you what, Rob. It those fits Aussies, you, Gary. I'll, I'll tell you what. The Aussies know how to party. <laughs> that I've heard, yes. I, uh, I'm i sure you fit right in then with those Aussies, yes. <laughs> no, I, I can't hang with them, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> getting a little long in the tooth it gets trickier by the year you got that right <laughs> so uh, Rob we got a lot to talk about uh Packer Nation is giddy again they, they came off a victory <laughs> on Sunday at Lambeau I happened to be up there and I was walking out it, it's hilarious you get into the quarters Rob and there'll be groups like you know 20 30 people and they'll start chanting go pack go and before you know it everybody picks up on it and it, it's it's actually kind of cool yeah, you see, you know, Packer Nation at its best. When they lose, not so much. <laughs> yeah, Gary, there's a catwalk we take from the press box to the locker room, and we can kind of we're about six, seven stories up. We can look down and and see those fans. And and I did get a kick out of that on Sunday as everybody was leaving and chanting, Go Pack, go. You would have thought they just, you know, won the nineteen ninety-six NFC championship game over Carolina or something like that. And, <laughs> and not 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 defeated a third string quarterback from a from a from a pretty bad Rams team. Gary, even when I left the stadium that night at like, I don't know, nine, nine thirty, whatever it was, there were still people running around the parking lot, beeping their horns, going crazy like yeah. Whatever, like like they were fifteen and one again in twenty eleven or something, Gary. Not that they had beat Brett Rippon. It is a remarkably passionate, diehard fan base, as as we all know. And that's why to address your topic right out of the shoot that you kick this thing off with, they will never, ever, ever tank in Green Bay because the fan base won't allow it, management won't allow it, and the organization just top to bottom won't allow it, Gary. Now there's a whole nother story with this year's team. Are they good enough to win X amount of football games? Their next four, Gary, are a beast. They come against four teams that are a combined 21 and 11 starting Sunday with, with Pittsburgh. And it doesn't get any easier than with, with, with the chargers, with the chiefs and with the lions, obviously on, on Thanksgiving, Gary, you know, but their next four have a combined winning percentage of almost two to one. And let's be honest, this just isn't a very good Green Bay Packer team. If there were many other quarterbacks leading the Rams, competent quarterbacks on Sunday, Gary, not third-string backups who have floated around the league and been cut multiple times like Brett Rippon has been, um, I, I think maybe that outcome is different. But at least for a week, Gary, everything was... 
The uh, world is good again. Yeah, sunshine and balloons in lovely Green Bay, right? Because <laughs> they, they finished the game. They turned the music as loud as they could in the locker room, according to players. Before we got in there, everybody danced and hugged. And it was like uh, 2010, Gary, where they had just beat the Bears and they were on their way back to the Super Bowl. It's, you know, so so at least for a week, they're going to feel pretty good about themselves, Gary. And my guess is come Sunday at about 3.30 when, when Pittsburgh has smoked them again, they won't feel quite as good. And we we could be in the midst of another losing streak. Yeah. You know, the, uh, another neat thing about Lambeau Field uh, that I noticed, you know, this season, obviously, and it, it's well known, they put in that new scoreboard on the north end of the field. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, it, it's like a mile wide. I mean, it basically goes from what, one side of the field to the other. The clarity is exceptional. Um, I sat on the other end and it was just a, a, a beautiful jumbotron. Unlike uh, your boys in Madison, uh, they they might want to upgrade their uh, jumbotrons and, and videos uh, screens because they're not very good in my mind, right? You've been there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a season ticket holder, Gary, looking to get rid of my tickets is is what I am with with, with that product. Yeah, the, the the difference, Gary, is the Packers have a hundred thousand people on a waiting list, and and they have a license to print money. And in Madison, they you know they've got an eighty thousand seat stadium, and they they can't sell you know they can't sell that thing out in terms of you know season ticket holders right now. Now there's no shortage of money in Madison either. Don't get me wrong, not with yeah. the big money donors they have, and 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 the collective you know agreement they have going on right now with with that group. You know, the the Russell Wilsons, the Joe Thomases, the J.J. Watts leading leading the fundraising efforts there. Problem is, Gary, a lot of that money is going to have to go to players in Madison so they can beef up that roster here in the next year or two. And certainly in the transfer portal and then whatever fickle winds up recruiting, they're they're paying more than you know, they're going to have to start paying, you know, with, with the Michigans and the Ohio States and, and the Alabamas of the world, if, if, if they want to get that product better, but no, you're not, you're not wrong, Gary, the, 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 the big screens, the jumbotrons in Madison need some upgrades and, and what they have going on right now in Lambeau is pretty impressive. But again, they have more money than God right now in, in green Bay, Gary, and, you know, and, and they'll be able to spend it this, this upcoming off season when, when they get their financials right and get Rogers off the books and, and have some money again under the salary cap. So that's something right there, I guess, for Packer nation to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're, we're on the same page here as far as Packers aren't going to tank and they're going to try to make a playoff push. And on the surface, their chances are, Slim to none. And I know where you stand on this. If there's something beyond none, <laughs> you're in the none category. But anyways, let, let, let's break this down just for fun, because as bizarre as it sounds, they could sneak in as a seventh seed. As you all know, Rob, the four division winners get automatic bursts. And as of today, it would be Philadelphia, Detroit, uh, New Orleans and San Francisco, correct? Correct. Okay, so that gives you three more, right? Yes, sir. Three, three more wild cards. So, right now it would be Dallas, Minnesota, and Seattle. They all have five wins. Okay, so that's two games ahead of the Packers. So, right. in theory, they got to catch one of those two, and then still ahead of the Packers are Washington and Atlanta. Now, if you look at Minnesota, I don't want to spend too much time breaking these things down, but 
my gut feeling is Dallas is going to get one. Okay. So that takes it up to five. So that gives you two spots. I'm not sold on Minnesota anymore, especially with uh, Kirk Cousins, right? I, I know they won Sunday, but uh, that, that's going to catch up to them. And you, you simply can't replace a uh, quarterback that quality. And then you saw Seattle, and I forgot who they played last Sunday, but they got crushed. Yeah, Baltimore, Gary. Yeah, it was Baltimore. Yeah, exactly. Now, now granted, Baltimore might be the best team in football right now, okay? But nonetheless, they got crushed and didn't look anything like a playoff team. And then, of course, you go Washington and Atlanta. I, I think those are two bad teams. I mean, we, we talk about the Packers being a bad team. I'm absolutely convinced they're better than both those teams. So let me ask you, is there a chance that the Packers could get that seventh spot? Gary, kind of like, you know, the movie Dumb and Dumber, right? There's always a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so, so it's not even none, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, obviously, we, we know this league. Crazy things can happen. There's, there's always a chance. But, I mean, Gary, I, I'm telling you right now, Green Bay – in four weeks when we're doing this podcast is either going to be three and nine or four and eight. I, I agree. They're not good. I overvalued their talent this summer. It's a trap you can fall into when you, you only watch your team, the team you cover and, and you don't see everybody else around the league and, and you kind of get, um, you know, tricked into believing yeah. some maybe are, are better than they are. And I always, I always try to caution myself against that Gary every single summer when I'm watching a training camp thinking like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm not watching the Eagles, right? I'm not watching the Steelers, I'm not watching the Texans. I'm not watching the chargers, whatever it is, right? You're only watching that one team and certain guys, just because they shine in green Bay on a, on an August afternoon, that doesn't mean they'd shine necessarily in, in Kansas city or San Francisco, and they're not good yeah. enough to beat those teams. Right. That's the deal. I think right now, Gary with green Bay and, the, the, this next four game stretch is is just an absolute beast, as we talked about, about a two to one win percentage for the next four opponents. I mean, Gary, I'll, I'll be honest, it's going to be tough for Green Bay to, to steal more than more than one game in that mix. Right. Chargers at home, Chiefs at home at Detroit on Thanksgiving at Pittsburgh this week. I, I don't see two wins there, Gary. I'm not even sure I see one. If that winds up being the case, Gary, we're, we're talking that they're four and eight or or three and nine. Now you mentioned Minnesota, Gary, here's Minnesota's next four. I'm just calling it up as we're talking here. Yeah. Saints bad. I know they've got a winning record, but they're not very good. Where's that game at though? That game's in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Broncos, not good. They're playing better though. Broncos playing better, but again, not good overall. Right. Then, then bears and Raiders. So, um, you know, in the next month, Gary, you would think Minnesota separates even more from Green Bay. Now, now you're not wrong, Gary. There's, there's five, six just god-awful teams in the NFC. Yeah, absolutely. The Giants, are ba- the Giants are really bad, especially now that the quarterback's done. The Bears are really bad. Carolina's really bad. Arizona's doing everything possible to wind up getting the number one pick. I mean, why did they trade Josh Dobbs, Gary, last week, right? Because they knew he could win some football games. Yeah. <laughs> so they got, him, they got him out of town for a better chance of that number one pick. We'll see how long Stafford misses, you know, but but the Rams are are really bad. Washington had a fire sale. They're really bad. Um so Gary, you're not wrong. I mean, there's uh, you know, there's only eight teams probably worthy of a 
you know, or will be in contention for those, those seven playoff spots. I just, I think if you're breaking the conference in half, Gary, Green Bay's probably in the bottom half of the conference when it's all said and done. Like you said, Eagles, Lions, Saints, uh, 49ers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Vikings, maybe Falcons. I mean, yeah. that, that I, but but again, scary. I'm not sold on the Vikings. I, I, I'm sorry, you know. Of course, they'll get Jefferson back. That that'll be huge. But yeah, I'm, Gary, I'm not sold on him either. But in a in a really bad conference, they're probably yeah. going to find a way to sneak their their way in because they're playing much better defense than they did a year ago when Ed Donatell ran that show. So they've they've improved on that side of the ball. You know, I think they would have won 10, 11 games if Cousins stayed healthy. They're really hitting their stride right now. Obviously, there's a dramatic drop-off from Cousins to Dobbs, but Dobbs is good enough to win them four or five football games from here, Gary, and they could easily get in at eight and nine, nine and eight because, like we touched on, the rest of the conference is so bad. Can Green Bay get to eight or nine wins, Gary? I really doubt it. I totally agree with you about the next four games. That, that, that to me, was going to be the – toughest part of their schedule right from the get-go I mean right right at the beginning of the season we'll be talking more about the Packers Steelers game Sunday later later on in the podcast but I think the Packers might upset Steelers Sunday and that's the one game I, I think they could come away with a victory of those four but Rob then after that they got the Giants they got Tampa Bay they got Carolina they got Minnesota and Chicago and to me, they can beat four of those five teams without question. Now, whether they can beat Minnesota at Minnesota, you know, it remains to be seen. But let's say they did. They ran the table after, you know, the last four or five games, okay? Because those aren't good teams, like you mentioned. I mean, the Giants are awful. Carolina's got awful. Bears are got awful. They could get eight wins. And I think if you get eight wins, you're going to get in the playoffs. I agree with you, Gary. Eight or nine wins gets you in the playoffs, undoubtedly in in this in this lousy conference. But again, Gary, everybody you outlined right there that where they finished the season with, right? Yeah. Tampa Bay, Carolina, Minnesota, Chicago. They're also looking at Green Bay and saying, and they're licking their chops, Gary. I, I think some of those Gary, teams. Green Bay is Gary. Green Bay is so pedestrian on offense right now that it is going to be remarkably hard for them to score more than 20 points in any game moving forward. I don't I don't care how lousy the defense is on the other side. It is going to be very, very hard for them to eclipse 20 points because these young wide receivers have not taken the jump, mainly Christian Watson, that they anticipated. They were better the other day in the ground game. I'll give them that. But, Gary, it, it, it took them three quarters to get that thing going for the, for the most part. Love played a nice second half. He really did. His final numbers ended up pretty solid uh, because the second half. I, I thought he had a. I thought he had a really good game, Rob. I really did. You're. you're I. I agree with you, Gary. He didn't make any major mistakes. Zero, um, zero turnovers. Yeah, which is obviously the number one number that you that that you want from him. You know, but Gary, his first half was mediocre. He. You know, he he had a chance right before half to hit Watson for the touchdown, and he and, and Gary, twenty five quarterbacks in the league make that throw. Watson was three four yards behind his defender, and Love threw late, and yep. and he under threw the ball, and it wound up being broken up. Now, Gary, we know Christian Watson, and there's no guarantee he was going to make the catch, even if even if that's Aaron Rodgers putting the ball right on the money, because Christian Watson, I think, is, you know, Gary, if we're ranking the Packers' most disappointing players in twenty twenty three. 
right now. I, <laughs> He's I, I right would up start, there. I would start with Christian Watson. I I really would. Just not only the fact, Gary, that that he's done so little in these games when he actually has made a catch or seen the football, he gets hurt. <laughs> I mean, he makes the one catch on Sunday, Gary, and, and he goes down with a chest, a back injury, and he's evaluated for a concussion, three different things. I mean, on, on one catch, how, how, how many times Gary, do you see that in this league? Oh, almost never. You know, you know what? I, like I said, I agree with you, but, that was a hell of a catch he made. <laughs> he got crunched and uh, still held on to it. And uh, spe- speaking of really good catches, how about uh, Musgrave's catch? The one where he ran towards the sideline, it was thrown about a foot over his head. Yeah. He went up and got it. I- I'll tell you what, that that really made an impression with me. I mean, that was a big-time catch. And then, of course, he had another one where he came across the middle where he was wide open. But, man, if he can take his game to that next level, he's going to be a handful. Gary, these guys typically make their greatest jumps between year one and year two. I mean, if you remember Jermichael Finley's first year, he had, he had four catches in, in, in 2008. And he shows up in the summer of 09, Gary, and I'm not joking. And, and this is kind of when I reflect back to where I where I start, you know, started up. Uh, talking about earlier that that you can get caught up in some craziness in in the summer but yeah. i remember finley shows back up for the summer of 09 gary and i i'm not i'm this isn't hyperbole finley was the best player on the practice field every single day and and i thought to myself all right is you know is is this guy ready to have 65 catches or is is this just kind of you know he's trying harder than everybody else because it's it's practice in the summer well you know, he took that jump, Gary, and we saw what your Michael Finley became, right? He's, he's the best tight end they've had in 20 years, probably, right? 25 years dating back to, to the Keith Jacksons or the Mark Chamuras. Uh, Wait, you're of, saying he's better than Jace Sternberger? <laughs> <laughs> just just by a nose, he beats old Jace. Yes. All right, okay. Yeah, so another, another one of Brian Gutekun's wonderful third-round draft picks, Gary. Yeah, um, I know. We went through that yes. group last week, yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. What a, what a, what a forgettable bunch. Um, but no, I, you know, and, and, and that's, and that'll be the, the, the key for Musgrave Gary mo- moving forward. I think, I think he's gotten dramatically better as this year has played out. Unlike his counterpart, Tucker Kraft was taken around later than him, but if Musgrave continues his trend, Gary, he's, he's going to have a chance to be a pro bowl level tight end here. Um, he's, he's trending in that direction. He's, he's having a really solid rookie year overall. And, Obviously, he's uh, he's got a remarkably bright future um, at, at that position for the Packers. Yeah. Hey, I, I just want to circle back to that schedule. You know, we were talking about some of those teams down the stretch, you know, looking forward to playing the Packers. I think at that point in the season, Rob, their, their sole goal is to get a really, really high draft pick. You know, I mean, Carolina's, the Bears, you know, those teams. I, I don't think they're going to show up. I think they're just going to call it a season by then. And and that's going to play into the Packers hands. So, but again, I, I agree with you. It's a long shot, but uh, this league has seen some crazy things, you know, occur. So. Yeah. Gary, th- this week is so goofy, right? Every week it, it changes. You, you think, you know, one thing about the league and, and you come back the following week and, and you realize you don't. And, and so many things 
so many things change and and they and they can change quickly now but just don't forget gary carolina's not going to throw on the towel green bay plays them on on christmas eve and carolina's carolina's pick goes to the bears right so they carolina yeah, that's carolina, a good point that's good carolina point. gary could could care less um you know about about tanking at this point because all they're doing is setting up the bears for for a be- a better draft pick then green bay on on new year's eve gary goes to minnesota you know, I think that'll be obviously a really tough game. They'd be an underdog undoubtedly in that game. Uh, Gary, as bad as the NFC South is, Tampa Bay is still in the mix there. I know Tampa's not any good, but but neither is New Orleans, Gary, and, and neither are the Falcons. So Tampa Bay could have something to play for when they come to Lambeau, Gary, on I think it's December 17th. Now the Giants on a Monday night, the Giants are god-awful and they don't have the quarterback now. Is that a game Green Bay should win? Yeah, probably. But again, the Giants are probably looking at that too, Gary, saying if there's anybody they can beat, it might it might be Green Bay. And and then we know they they finished the year with Chicago in the first week of January. And 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 forget about who's on the field, right? Or records for for that particular game. It still is Packers Bears. Gary, I just I think the way this thing is trending, they probably end up with about six wins. And I, clearly, that's not going to be good enough to get no, you in the poll. No, a- a- absolutely not. I mean, a- again, if they win on Sunday, I think they got a chance. If they lose Sunday, <laughs> it's time to start working on your mock draft, Rob. <laughs> yeah, Gary, if they win on Sunday, then I think this is a, a, yeah. a really legitimate conversation that you and I are having right here. Because then you say to yourself, all right, can they steal one of those games against the Chargers, Lions, or Chiefs, right? The next the next three on the schedule. Yeah. Because, because then, Gary, if they can, they come out the back end of that five and seven, and now they've got a real chance to get to nine and eight. Nine and eight will get you in the playoffs. It would have got them in the playoffs last year. If you remember, they were eight and eight going to that final game of the year against against Detroit, and all they had to do in Aaron Rodgers' final game as a Green Bay Packer was, was defeat a team on, uh, on their home field that they've owned in Lambeau field, Gary, for the last 30 plus years and, yeah. and they couldn't get it done. But yes, nine and eight undoubtedly gets you in the playoffs. Even in a, even in a weird year like this, Gary, where the NFC is so bad, where the AFC is, I shouldn't say so bad. The NFC is top heavy though. Right. I mean, San yeah, Francisco, top three, four Philly, teams are Dallas, good. you know, our, yeah. our Detroit are, are clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. But, uh, Top to bottom, Gary, the AFC is the better conference where a year like this and with the expanded playoffs now with, with, with seven teams getting in, it would not be a shock if eight and nine sneaks in. Okay. Let's let's touch on the other aspect. Yeah, let's say they went into a tank mode, and and you said the Packers would never, ever tank a, a season, and, and I, I'm in full agreement. But I just remember they said that about the Milwaukee Bucks a few years ago, and unbeknownst to a lot of people, except probably a handful of people, they went into a tank mode, which Herb Cole, the, then the owner of the Bucks, was vehemently opposed, but the brass, you know, talked him into tanking. And this was early, Rob. I mean, this is like after a month into the season and they, uh, you know, ended up tanking and, and they got the numbers uh, to pick. Unfortunately, they got Jabari Parker who got, <laughs> injured he had you know two knee surgeries and and so much for that but if somebody would have ever told me that the bucks under herb cole would have ever tried to tank you know i said you're ridiculous it's absurd but it happened so anyways let's look at the draft aspect though let's say they do get like a top 10 pick okay which is you know 
in the realm of possibilities, right? I mean, well, Gary, yeah. as we do as we do the show today, they're sitting at number nine. Yeah. So, and you look at it, even if you don't <clears throat> go into the uh, draft thinking that you have to take a quarterback. There, there's obviously going to be some great players. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because <laughs> we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft over the next couple of months. But if you were the Packers and you had a top 10 pick at this particular time, and things change, you know, during the course of the season, but what would you think that the Packers would address? What position? Well, obviously, the number one question is going to be, how does Jordan Love play the next nine games, right, Gary? They're giving him 17 games. They're giving him a season to make a determination. Everything is going to be contingent on on how he plays the next two months and what the evaluation is from upstairs. If he's their guy moving forward, Gary, then then obviously, you you know, I, I think Caleb Williams, Drake May are gone undoubtedly by the time you know if green, let's just say green bay holds at that nine spot gary yeah those two guys are gone you know do, do they like a jj mccarthy from michigan enough you know a, a michael Penix from washington obviously gary a ton of this stuff will change after the combine and and things like that guys will move up and down boards but you know the do, do they go for a quarterback gary i mean we we've seen it we've seen it with that organization right for three plus decades if you have an outstanding quarterback, yeah, you have a chance. And if they believe internally, Gary, after four years of Jordan Love, that he's never going to be an outstanding quarterback, then they've got to address that position, Gary, and, and go in a different direction. If they think Love's ceiling, Gary, puts him, oh, let's say a 12, 10, something like that in the league, then fine. Then 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 you try to build around him and go win football games that way. If they think the floor, Gary, is 25, you know, where, where he's in that range, then obviously you have to go ahead and replace him. But Gary, they're going to have a ton of needs. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. if, if they have a, you know, if they have a top 10 pick, I mean, I think it starts. But, but, but what would be the one? I think it starts with left tackle, Gary. Couldn't agree with you. You know, they'll, Gary, if you're building a, a championship roster, right, you start with quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and cornerback. They will have pass rushers. They just signed Rashawn Gary, obviously, to the monster contract. Um, Preston Smith is still under contract, whether he's back on the roster or not, we'll find out, but they invested a first in Lucas Van Ness. Uh, Kingsley Anibari has been a pretty good player for him this year. They have pass rushers, Gary. They're going to gamble that Stokes can come back, pair him with Alexander. They'll have cornerbacks. And and if they believe in Jordan Love, Gary, then the obviously obvious position becomes left tackle to shore up that offensive line. Because I would, I would say at this point in time, Gary, the only two certainties that are coming back on the line are Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom. Um, I think Josh Myers is, is back. Uh, I, I, Myers is going to be back. I don't have any. Josh Myers has played really yeah. good. I agree, Gary. He's played pretty good football. And, you know, but but I, I think those other spots are going to be completely up for grabs. They don't like Yash Neishman enough to make him the left tackle of the future. They've seen Rasheed Walker. That was a garbage show, and and they they won't go back to that. Runyon will leave in all likelihood, Gary, in in free agency, and they'll have to find a guard to go and play there. Uh, you don't you don't take a running back in the top ten. Um, I don't care, even if it's B. John Robinson or whoever the yeah. Gibbs kid from Detroit. You you just don't. Now yeah. I will say this, Gary. Those wide receivers are not very good. Can they become? serviceable starters, high-end starters, we'll find out. But they put a lot of draft stock into a guy like Christian Watson. It's not going in the right direction. I think Dobbs is a serviceable two or a three. Uh, they, they could undoubtedly upgrade the wide receiver group, Gary. 
They're going to have huge holes at safety, but that's probably second, third, fourth round type stuff where they can go find themselves a safety. The defensive line looks promising, Gary. Uh, A lot of young talent in in that group. I think they hit it with a couple of draft picks this year to build around with, you know, the Wyatts and the Slaytons and the Kenny Clarks of the world. And I think, I think with Quay Walker kind of leading that inside linebacker group, Gary, that that group's going to be just fine. You asked me who they would take in the top 10. I think it starts with left tackle. If they decide Jordan Love is the guy. Yeah, no, I, I we're, we're definitely on the same page there. You know, I, I was thinking of all the quarterbacks that could go in the first round this year. I mean, what a bumper crop, though. You get Williams, you get Maine, you get Bo Nix, you get Michael Penix Jr., and you get J.J. McCarthy, you get Shadir Sanders, you got Quinn Evers. Let's see, what is that? Two, four, six, seven quarterbacks that could potentially go in the first round. And I think that would be a record, right? Isn't the record five or six? I think the record's six, Gary. And you bring up an interesting point there, too, because they they probably won't have the draft capital, Gary, right, to get up to one or two. I mean, let's just say they're six and 11 or something like that. That probably puts them, I don't know, sixth pick, seventh pick, somewhere like that, right? It'll... It'll be a it'll be a little bit higher. It'll be a top where, ten, yeah, for sure. Yeah, than where they're sitting today. Can they get up to one or two, right, and take Williams or May? Probably not. But Gary, maybe they can move around the board a little bit, go back, pick up an extra first, and because they're gonna have the Jets two and you know, they're they're gonna have their own two and and stuff like that. They're gonna I think they're at eleven draft picks right now, Gary, after you know, make making that trade for Rasul Douglas where they picked up the three for the five. Um, so I think they're going to have, let's call it five in the top 100 Gary, where maybe they could move around, pick up an extra first and maybe take a quarterback late in the first round and an offensive tackle in the middle of the first round, maybe by moving back from, let's just say what seven to 15 or something like that. Yeah. And then, and you're getting one of those guys later in the first round, maybe like a McCarthy or like you said, a Penix, I would want nothing to do with Dion's kid and have that guy around your organization. Oh, come on, Rob. He, Not he, a he... chance. Not <laughs> a chance. <laughs> Keep that guy as far away from Green Bay as humanly possible, Gary. Primetime um, junior. <laughs> yep, that is the last thing a, a sleepy little city like Green Bay needs is oh, can you the nonsense that? of a Sanders coming to town. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what, Rob? Good, good point. If they move back, because I, I talked to an NFL scout the other day, and he said it's a it's a really good draft for offense tackles, and that yeah, I know the kid out of Penn State, uh, what's his name, Fasha New, I think it's pronounced right, right, right. You know, he's supposed to be like a top five, and then there's a kid at Notre Dame named Alt, and then there's another kid at Alabama named Lathan. So that you know, if they want an offense tackle, although the when's the last time the Packers took an offense tackle? So it was Balaga in 10, right? And and then they, they went ahead and took the kid in 11 who got hurt. That was another tackle. Yeah, I mean, it's no big deal. But I'm it, it's very seldom that they go that way. It seems like they always figure they can get them in second, third, fourth rounds. And, you know, we'll talk more about that, obviously, as uh, the season unfolds here. Hey, uh, speaking of young players, though, I, I thought the story of Sunday's game was uh, – Carrington Valentine. Uh, we had talked in our podcast last week that uh, if he didn't hold up, <laughs> all hell could break loose. And he not only held up, I thought he excelled. Uh, did he give up a reception? I, I, maybe one. But I, I think I, it was one, Gary. Yeah. yeah. 
And I mean, he was terrific. The offensive tackle, by the way, was Derek Sherrod in 11. There you go. So that's yeah, the yeah, kid 20. from Mississippi State who broke his leg in that Chiefs game, unfortunately, and his his career was 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 never the same. But but no, you're you're right, Gary. Just to finish that thought and that that segment real quick, you know, all, pretty much since Sherrod, it's been defense, 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 defense. Jordan Love, defense, yeah. defense, 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 defense. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they've they've stayed the defensive side of the ball. Just to transition quickly to. To Valentine, I mean, Gary, you, I'm sure you noticed it on Sunday. It, there, there was a stretch in that in that second quarter that they, they quit throwing at him entirely, and they were throwing at Jair Alexander. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which which made absolutely no sense. You know what, Sean? Well, McVay, yes, yes, it did, Gary, because they were completing passes on on yeah. on the undersized little midget corner. Yeah, yeah I, I thought he played okay though overall, uh, but. I was just going to bring up Sean McVay, you know, I mean, like three, four years ago, he was like the kid wonder and he was going to be the uh, second coming of Lombardi. And what have they done the last two seasons? Not a lot. Two years ago, they won the Super Bowl. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Since then let's though, pump, they've let's pump the brakes on ripping McVay. He does have oh, a ring. Last year they were horrible. I thought this year they're, they're bad. Um, Yeah, they did win a Super Bowl. And I think he's going to ride that, but, Again, they, they have not played well the last two seasons. But, um, Gary, that was understandable and predictable, right? And they knew that internally. Kind of like Green Bay going for it with Aaron Rodgers. They knew there was going to be a transition. Gary, the Rams went all in, and they went old, and they they went with veterans after that Stafford trade, right? Remember, they traded for Von Miller and and, and a few other pieces a, along the way. Uh, but they, they absolutely put their salary cap in in complete hell they knew that it was 2021 or nothing gary because because once 2021 passed when they had stanford from 2022 and on they were gonna have to redo you know try to get you know what try to get their house in order gary financially they had traded away all their draft capital um along the way for for various players as as they went gary and and it paid off they want to ring and i i think any fan base We'll take that, Gary, and 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 the Milwaukee Brewers jump to mind, and and it's it's a, it's a long fifty year suffering fan base, Gary, that that watches ownership in, instead of adding pieces on on July thirty first, figure out a way to trade guys like Josh Hader out of town, where where the Rams, Gary, absolutely a thousand percent went for it, and they won it in twenty twenty one, and this is what happens, you know, on on then when when you come out of this, right. You're, you're going to be bad for a few years. They weren't good last year. They're three and six right now. They're not very good right now. You, you take a chance that you can win a ring, Gary, and 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 you know the, they did it. And and yeah, that, no, no, no. I, Gary, I, I, that, that's what I would want my management team to do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not arguing that point. But Stafford's still around, and if he doesn't get hurt, I guess or get spanged up, you know, he's still one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Don't you agree? Gary, I think the Rams win the game on Sunday if Stafford plays. Yeah, and they got good receivers. I mean, Cup is considered one of the best in the league. They still got Aaron Donald. They they got some good players. Gary, they have eight guys starting on defense that you would not want starting on your defense. I thought you were talking about the Packers for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, Green Bay's actually got some players on defense. They, they do. Think, they do. I I we'll get into that a little bit here, too. But, I mean, Gary, the Rams had to completely – you know, cut salary, traded Jalen Ramsey, pl- things like that to to get to get under the salary cap this year. 
and and the and the you know the price they pay then is they're starting fourth, fifth, sixth round draft picks all over the place on that defense. They've they've paid the price for going for a for a ring two years ago. For them, the the positive is they won the ring. The the negative is now you know on again on on the other end of it, you might not be very good for a couple of years. I'm not arguing whatsoever. I I do think Sean McVay was was completely overrated, and Bill Bill Belichick kicked his butt in the one Super Bowl, that thirteen to three Super Bowl, when you know when, when they realized maybe McVay isn't boy wonder, and and maybe Jared Goff isn't good enough to to win a Super Bowl with, and then they moved on. For from Goff and, and went ahead and got Stafford. I will say this, though. I do think McVay is maybe one of the – he's not Kyle Shanahan, Gary, but I think he's one of the best 10 coaches in the league. You and I are going to disagree on that one. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's completely fine. I mean – Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I get it. McVay's yeah, you, you tell me this, though. Would you would you rather have McVay or LaFleur? LaFleur. Oh, not a chance. No, not I'd, a I'd, chance. Say, I'd say it's a talk. McVay's too arrogant. Uh, I, I just don't like his style. And I think that catches up uh, with players after a while that it's all about him and nobody else. And and that rubs players the wrong way. And um, LaFleur doesn't have that attitude. I think LaFleur should be a little more assertive, uh, you know, on the flip side. But uh, McVay, I mean, he won his championship and now he thinks he's God's gift to coaching. And I don't think he is, but. Again, we could argue that for a while. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. We'll agree to disagree on this one, but but but, but we agree that Valentine had a hell of a game for his debut. Unbelievable, unbelievable for his first first game, Gary, as a starter. You know, and and we'll find out over the next eight nine games, right, if that was fool's gold or not, because everybody can, you know, every blind squirrel can find his nut, right, Gary. And yeah. but I, I'll say this, Gary, and I talked to Valentine for a long time after the game on on Sunday about this. Gary, he had an unbelievable summer. And that was that was again, that that's one of those things where you're like, all right, is is Valentine a legitimate player? Is he gonna be this good? Or do guys like Dontavian Wicks just stink, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when he's going up against players like that every day. And and you just don't know until you get into the meat and the heart of an NFL season and you see him against guys in other jerseys, right? Gary, I do think they found something here with Valentine. Again, he's he's got to do it week in and week out moving forward. But um, again, that th- this wasn't a fluke. It 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 isn't like this was the first time he's played good football. He had, he had a terrific summer. I think he surprised a lot of people through the course of the summer, just with his overall skill set, his speed, the way he can turn his hips, things like that. Gary, he's a he 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 really is a a guy with it with a ton of upside. It sounds like he works hard, studies his butt off things to that effect, which he, he obviously needs to do to succeed in this league. Gary, the one thing I worry about in back right now for this group at, after the Rasul Douglas trade is there is no real leadership in the, in the secondary Rasul led that group. Jair Alexander was even asked last week, you know, do you want to become a leader now with Rasul gone? And he said, no, that's just not my thing. Thank, dude, thank I, God for that. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm sorry. You're making $21 million a year. You know, yeah, exactly. You might want to show some people the way, right? I yeah, mean, I'm, precisely. I, as you can tell, I'm, I'm just not enamored or a huge fan of, uh, you know, of, of Jair Alexander. I, I think he's one of the more overrated players in the league and Green Bay is going to pay the price for that contract long-term. So it's up to a guy like Valentine to find guys on that side of the ball who will lead. Maybe it's not in his positional group, Gary, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's up front with Kenny Clark. Maybe it's in the linebacker group with whatever, right? Or Rashawn Gary or Devondre Campbell or, or something like that. 
for a young guy like that, it is a lot of times a really nice thing to have a mentor and they don't have a lot of guys right now in the secondary who can, can necessarily mentor the young group. You know, and that's what's so intriguing about this team. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but if they would get fully healthy, I mean, if they had everybody there, you know, that, that secondary would be pretty decent. And if Valentine continues to play well, my goodness, and Stokes comes back, that changes your perception of the secondary. I mean, instead of a suspect secondary as it is now, it could potentially be a, you know, a very good one, but who knows? A lot of games to be played yet this year for uh, Mr. Valentine. Gary, I looked this up the other day and, and, you know, Green Bay right now is up to number 10 in the league in scoring defense and number 11 in total defense. And I'm just going to throw a couple numbers off you, which, which, you know, it's amazing that they rank as high as they do when I when I give you some of these numbers, okay? Yeah. Rashad Gary has played 42% of the snaps. Two out of five, right? Yeah. Devontae Campbell, 47, less than half. Jair Alexander, 61, so three out of five snaps. Eric Stokes for the season, Gary. How many how many snaps has Eric Stokes played? <laughs> I don't know. It has he what four? Four. That's correct. All on special teams. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, Darnell Savage, who you expected to lead your safety group, 63%. So he's three out of every five snaps. Then you look at Sunday, right? No, no Ford. Rudy Ford didn't play in the back. He he was hurt. No Quay Walker in the back. Quay Walker's at about 70% of the snaps, Gary. You, you, you expected him to take this monster jump and in and, and, and maybe turn into a borderline Pro Bowl player this year. You know, the, the bottom line is we're talking seven, eight, nine guys on that defense that have played roughly between half and maybe two-thirds of the snaps, and yet, Gary, they still rank as high as they do on the defensive side of the ball. We've beat up, or I shouldn't even say we, I have beat up Joe Barry on this podcast many, many times. <laughs> Gary, he's, he's having a heck of a year. Now, now was, that, was that tough admitting that, Rob? <laughs> no! I, Gary, I have no problem in life admitting when I'm wrong. I'm going to be okay. wrong. I mean, I'm human. And we're, yeah. we're we're gonna we're gonna be wrong at from time to time. Now you know I am I I'm typically very passionate in my opinions, Gary. But, <laughs> that um, is true, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> at least in 2023, Gary, eight, eight games into the season, I have no problem saying I I've been wrong on Joe Barry. What he's done with that defensive side of things, you know, sticking in a couple of backup safeties the other day, right? Simone Biles' husband and the the seventh round safety and in 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 Anthony Johnson and and having having backups have to play up front when Kenny Clark got hurt and you had a backup in there for for Quay Walker and McDuffie and McDuffie's played really good football Gary but I mean he's he's had backups in all over the place I mean they had two seventh rounders starting in the secondary on on Sunday Gary and you and you would have never known it what did what did Rippon's passer rating end up being 45 now yeah, I get it Rippon's yeah. really bad um but what they've done on that side of the ball has been extremely impressive being as beat up as they are over there yeah you know when, when they they traded uh Russell Douglas two things well three things entered my mind number one there's something going on behind the scenes with them that they didn't like uh number two they thought Stokes might be coming back pretty soon. And what it, Stokes comes back in what, two more weeks, three more weeks, whatever it is. Well, he can. I mean, that doesn't mean he will. Yeah, get- right, exactly. Um, that that guy's got to get on the field. I mean, somehow, yep. some, you know, uh, I, I think it's very difficult to play at that level 
and miss a lot of time. So we'll see what happens there. But then, you know what we don't see that the coaches see and, and the players see is developments of players, you know, in practice and stuff like that. And I'll bet they saw something in Valentine that kind of, you know, reassured them that, hey, if we trade Douglas, you know, this kid's not bad. He's got a chance, you know. Gary, the, the bigger thing, though, in the Rasul trade still came came down to this. They fully understand at 1265 Lombardi over there that 2023 is nothing but a transition and a rebuilding year, right? And, and the way Brian Gutekunst outlined this and described it in his press conference last week when he talked at length about the trade, now I don't necessarily agree with him on all this, but he outlined it as he picks up the third, right? He gives up the fifth. He described it as the fact when when they get on the board in that third-round pick, somebody in their top 50 is still going to be sitting there, Gary, in the draft. So he viewed it as a chance to get one of their top 50 players on the board. Now, he again, he knows the inner workings of his board and the draft far better than I do. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. Because exactly. That, that pick, Gary, is going to wind up, let's say, being – well, Buffalo's not exactly lighting the world on fire, but let's say that pick winds up being number 80, Gary, or 85, right, yeah, in, yeah. in the draft. It's it's probably going to be, you know, somewhere around the 20th pick, let's call it, in the third round. So that'd be pick 84, 85, something like that. Brian Gutekunst was trying to make the point, Gary, and sell it. When it gets to that pick in the draft, let's call it 85, Somebody on his in his top 50 will be sitting there. So he viewed it that he picked up a top 50 pick by trading Rasul Douglas. Now, sure, sure. I, whether I, that I comes that. to play or not, Gary, only they know behind the scenes in, in Green Bay. But again, they Gary, I really they did not trade Rasul Douglas for being outspoken. They did not trade Rasul Douglas um, you know, necessarily or specifically because Valentine's going to turn into a Pro Bowl player or something like that. They traded him because 2024 and 2025 matter more to them than 2023 does. They, I wouldn't call this a lost year, Gary, but it's certainly a transitional year. Transitional year, year no question. It's a bump year. There, there, there's no doubt. I mean, with yeah. with sixty million dollars of dead cap on on your books, that's you know that they're looking to move on from that and be far more competitive in twenty four and twenty five. And if he picks up another third round pick in the process, Gary, then he sees that as a huge win. The problem, obviously, is he got rid of probably one of his top ten football players. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Maybe you have heard this, but I have never heard a general manager in any sport come out and say what Gutekunst said. A top fifty guy would be available through three rounds, so that that's a minimum of what sixty. Was it sixty six picks? Right, thirty two around. Right, so sixty four yeah. and then ninety six, obviously. Yeah. After the so, third. so if you say fifty, that that's sixteen players that Gutekunst and his staff believe would be different from what other people have on their boards. Well, Gary, and then another, and then 20 on top of that, because that's, you know, you're, you're, you know, Buffalo's pick will not be the first pick necessarily, let's say in the third round, right? Buffalo is going to get to 10, 11 wins. But so, so that pick Gary winds up, you know, being 84, 85, 86, 88, something like that, because Buffalo is going to be near the backside Exactly. So what what Gutekunst is telling you is there'll be another 30 to 35 guys taken after pick 50 that, you know, he didn't uh, have his top 50. Probably value more than 
um, <laughs> what, what, what he's going to have in his top 50. It, it was a, it was a unique explanation, Gary. I'll say that. I've um, never heard that. Have you? No, I, I have not heard that whatsoever, but, but again, everybody's draft boards look a lot different, right? And if he's got two guys sitting there, Gary, that are in his top 50, when pick 85 rolls around, I can guarantee you he'll be giddy and he'll say that trade was worth it. And maybe that partially explains why their third round picks have sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it does. You know, I mean, what a disparity in in thinking on on talent. I mean, that's a lot of players. Anyways, hey, uh, before we wrap it up, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Packers-Steelers game. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, we we, uh, talked about what teams – could advance to the Super Bowl and to the conference championships. And I had Pittsburgh as a sleeper team that could get to the AFC title match. And they're five and three. And on the surface, you know, that that's obviously a pretty good record. But if if you look at the Steelers, they're they're not playing very well. I'm not sure how they got this five and three record, but you know where they rank, Rob, in defense in the NFL? Yeah, it's in the bottom third in almost every category. It's 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 crazy. Are you talking total defense, Gary? Yeah, I mean, yards per game, total total yards per game. For instance, I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess 28th. Yeah, 29th. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they they got a reputation of always having good defenses. So they're they're 29th in yards. Uh, Per game, they rank 29th against the run. I mean, that, that's crazy. And then on offense, they suck too. <laughs> they <laughs> they rank 29th in yards per game, and uh, they're 29th in points per game at, at 16. And they're five and three. Gary, they just find a way. I've watched two or three of their games this year. You kind of scratch your head and you say, first of all, you get to the third quarter and you're asking yourself, how are they still in this game? And then at the end, they they find a way to win, right? They beat the Titans a couple weeks ago, 2016, in a really, really ugly game. Maybe that was last Thursday. It feels like a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, you know, they, Gary, if, if they're in a three, four-point game, kind of like Minnesota last year, they win those games, right? I mean, I'm just looking here. They beat the Browns by four, the Raiders by five, the Rams and the Ravens by a touchdown. They beat, they beat uh, the Titans by four. The, these close games, Gary. Yeah. They just find a way. Their three losses, Gary, they've been routed. Te- the Texans blew them out. The 49ers blew them out. Uh, they, you know, they're beat up pretty good by the Jaguars. Gary, if the game is close, and I, I assume it probably will be, that in all likelihood, they're, they're going to find a way to win it. But you're right. They can't find any consistency or rhythm on the off uh, offensive side of the ball. Najee Harris hasn't run the ball particularly well. Pickett who had a great, great summer, Gary, and I, and I was with you. I thought Pickett was ready to take this monster jump this year in, in year two. He's as pedestrian as they get. He you know he he looks probably worse than Jordan Love has looked. Six touchdowns, four picks. He's He's been remarkably average to, 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 to below average, Gary. There's no wideout that they have that, that jumps off the, the page at you. Like you said, they haven't been good on the defensive side of the ball other than, other than T.J. Watt, who seems to make 10 Pro Bowl plays uh, a week and, and Packer nation will, will, uh, you know, Gary, the volume will get cranked up on that all week. My yeah. God, 
Green Bay could have had TJ Watt five, six years ago, and they took Kevin King. Um, you know, somebody and, and brought people, that up to me at the game Sunday. <laughs> yep. And people will curse uh the late great Ted Thompson's name when when they make that comparison too. But no, I mean, Gary, how many coaches in the league are better than Mike Tomlin? I mean, you, you can count them on one hand, right? I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. He's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in the league today, right? I mean, Andy Reid, Belichick, Tomlin, maybe go that route, Shanahan. I mean, there's there's not many that are that are better than you know than Mike Tomlin right now. And I mean, Gary, they they just they know how to win. They find ways to win. It's not pretty. It's going to be an ugly game probably on Sunday. They'll muck it up. Um, it'll be a it'll be a time of possession game. It'll it'll be a game when when you've got a chance to kick a field goal, Gary, and get three points. You better get the three points because they're going to matter later on in the in the contest. But I mean. Ugly games are what Pittsburgh thrives on right now. Gary, they're almost the Iowa, although they don't play that good of a defense, but they're almost the <laughs> Iowa of the NFL. Ugly football games, and they just find a way to win them. Yeah, you know who's actually uh, been playing pretty well for them? Yeah, I mean, he's he's had his moments. It's Keanu Benton, the former Badger. Yeah, yeah, the Janesville kid. Yeah, he, he's actually done okay. I mean, uh, I mean, he should be. <laughs> he was a fairly high draft pick, so you'd expect, you know good production from him but uh they they love their badgers don't they yeah they got herbig there too and and i think he's played a little bit and and been okay for him but um gary we all love our badgers come on now even <laughs> even in a down year a five and four year uh this I, this coming from a guy that's throwing away the season and giving away <laughs> tickets <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, they're they're not easy <laughs> on the eyes right now, but but we, we but we all still do love our Badgers. Yeah, we know. So, hey, <laughs> before we uh, call it a wrap, oh, one other thing I was going to say about the Steelers. Yeah, this, this is the most incredible stat of them all. They have been outscored this year. They're five and three. They've been outscored one hundred and sixty three to one hundred and thirty three, minus thirty. So minus 30 huh? <laughs> Well, almost four points a game. Gary, keep in mind though, Minnesota was thirteen and four last year, and they were outscored. Yeah, yeah. No, so it, it, you know, it it, it, it it can happen. It's it's rare, you know, but but it can happen. Gary, in in two thousand and eight, when the Packers went six and ten, they outscored the opposition. You do get those weird, fluky kind of years, right? Where yeah. a couple of games you either hammer somebody or you get hammered, and it and it excuse those stats i'll say this gary and you mentioned it earlier pittsburgh has not been good against the run and i think green bay found a formula last week you you talked about this being a game where if if, if they are actually going to make a playoff push they have to find a way to go steal it uh on sunday in in pittsburgh well gary they ran for 180 they being green bay ran for 184 yards last week on 38 carries that's like four eight i think a carry so almost five a pop aaron jones had his best game since week one dylan was fine the offensive line was really, really good, Gary, um, and they they'll need they'll need that to happen. This can't be a Jordan Love game. I the, their formula, Gary, for winning games has to be fifty five percent of the plays right now on the ground. I talked to a bunch of linemen about that the other day, Runyon and and Myers and Elton Jenkins that and and they all fully believe this too. Run the ball, get one fifty to two hundred, and make life easier for the quarterback. If, if they're running Gary for 77 yards in a football game and averaging two, nine, a carry and put it on Jordan Love's shoulders and these terrible wide receiver shoulders, they're not going to win any football games. They have to pound, 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 
And we talked about this at the start of the year, and now maybe they can do it with Aaron Jones being, you know, as close as we've seen him to 100%, and Dylan playing a little bit better the last month, Gary, than he did the first month. But pound, pound, pound in the ground game and set up some of this play-action stuff then where, like you talked about earlier, you get a Musgrave wide open on, on some of these plays. Maybe you can hit a deep shot to Christian Watson if he if he doesn't break in half in the middle of the play. Gary, it'll be it'll set up some opportunities in the pass game if they can run it. And there's no doubt Pittsburgh's been vulnerable against the run. And that would have to be Green Bay's path, I'd say, Gary, to winning the football game, even if it's not pretty early. And a lot of times it's not. And Matt LaFleur t- typically gets away from the run, Gary, when it's not pretty. He can't get away from it on Sunday. They've got a pound, pound, pound with these backs against that Pittsburgh front seven and not let TJ Watt wreck, wreck the football game. You know what? You you beat me to the punch. If they can kind of neutralize Watt, uh, I think Tom's going to have to play really well. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the key matchups in this game. If Tom does his job, and he's done his job pretty well this year, and kind of, you know, somewhat neutralizes what I think the Packers have an excellent chance to win this game. So, uh, hey, anything else you want to uh, toss in here before we go? No, just, you know, I'll, I'll throw my bouquet of roses one more time at Joe Barry. Man, oh, man, I, I, I got to tweet this out. <laughs> Gary, I'll, Gary, I'll tell you right now, th- this is a fascinating stat. Uh, Sean McVay took over that Rams team in 2017, right? So this is year seven for him. Yeah. They have never been held to three points or fewer in the regular season. Now they only scored three against Belichick in the Super Bowl, as 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 we remember when when the Patriots beat them 13-3, whatever year that was, 20-ish, maybe 19. But so I don't even you know what what is that? 16 by six is is 96. Let's call it 107, 108 yeah. games yeah. for Sean McVay, Gary. Three points was the fewest they ever scored. That came Sunday against Joe Barry and a makeshift secondary and and a defensive line that took some hits and a and a linebacking unit that that was without its its best inside linebacker and and Joe Barry found a way to keep that team to three points granted Gary again it's against the number 3 quarterback but still it's a guy who's in the league and who had a lot of weapons around him in the passing game and Joe Barry and company held that team to three points so i i'll i'll leave it on that note Gary that that on the defensive side of the ball, Green Bay is doing everything necessary to win football games. Now the offense has to come and 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 try to close the gap and play, you know, play almost as good a football as the defense is playing. Rob, that was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's time to wrap this thing up, huh? <laughs> on that note, right? <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Rob, uh, good stuff, and uh, thanks as always, and uh, thanks to our loyal fans out there we appreciate you take care and all the best for more sports news check back every tuesday for our latest show you can also follow gary on twitter at gary Wuffle and wuffles 